know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Fan Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What is up? Podcast Land, it is your host Jim and Joe of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. On this week's episode, we are talking some Atlanta Falcons football where the Falcons got the victory today, 24-10, opening the 2023 season against the Carolina Panthers. We're also going to talk some University of Georgia Bulldog football. It was week two for the Georgia Bulldogs as the Dogs beat Ball State 45-3. And we're going to round up the show talking some Atlanta Braves baseball as the Braves took two of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates and played a much exciting favorite game. Where did the Braves go from here? So after last week's show, we were off due to a family situation, but we're back this week ready to talk some ball, and I'm excited about being back on the air. And but before we get into said sports conversation, guys, it's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more georgesmoke.com. So with me across the way this week is the man, the myth, the legend, my dad. Dad, welcome back to the pod. Joe, it's great to be back with the pod talking about our, our teams. This is a great time of year. Everyone's excited. The Braves are coming down the stretch and the Falcons are kicking it off. So we, were, we had a home game against the divisional team and got off to a good start. So a lot to be excited about. Absolutely. And so on that subject of the Atlanta Falcons, they did get the victory 24-10. to 10. What were your initial impressions of this Atlanta Falcons team? Well, Joe, I was, they were a little slow starting there the first half. First couple possessions really didn't look all that impressive. But uh, things picked up, you know, it was 7-7 at halftime, and uh, the Falcons sort of dominated the fourth quarter, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth to salt away, a, you know, a 24-10 victory. So I was really pleased to, to see him finish strong. What did you think? A couple things stood out to me. I really liked the way the Falcons defensively made those adjustments because, as you mentioned, they started kind of slow, and then Carolina was down close. This was in the beginning of the game around the first quarter. And the Falcon defense rose up, so to speak, and on a fourth and short, they stopped Bryce Young. That really, I thought, kind of opened up the floodgates. And one Falcon in particular, I thought it a really nice day. And that was one Jesse Bates with the two interceptions. This is the first two-interception game of his career. And he also had a, I really liked what we got out of Jesse Bates today. Well, it wasn't a recovery. It was a forced fumble. Oh, forced fumble. My bad. But still, it was was really great to see. uh, He was the big free agent that they got in the... uh, He signed the largest contract in the history of the NFL for a a safety or defensive back. So that was good to see, and and he started paying dividends first game. And, Dad, something like you mentioned, they finished strong. The Falcons' running game... If, they, if this offensive line can keep creating holes for them, this running game has a chance to be really, really dangerous. Yeah, they, uh, you know, B. John Robinson uh, well, didn't have a perfect game, but he did give us some things to look forward to, get excited about, and uh, we think he's, you know, he's something special. Um, Tyler Algiers, you know, again, he showed up and uh, scored him a touchdown, you know, 
So the Falcons did, uh, they did the hard, dirty work today, and it, it got rewarded with a victory. I do, I do want to get your thoughts on Ritter really quick. I know he didn't really throw the ball a ton, but when he did, I thought there were a couple of throws that he made that were impressive, especially that one to Kyle Pitts late in the game to ice it. Yeah, that was that was a nice throw and really uh, sort of put the you know set up you know the last touchdown and. Uh, and the Falcons were able to uh, put it away. So I guess what I would say about Ritter, you know, I still need to see more, but I haven't seen anything that that's just discouraged me. I'm I'm seeing things that I can get excited about, and I'm hoping going forward it just keeps rolling. Right, exactly. I, I agree too. I still think there's more we need to see with Desmond Ritter, but I was pleased with what we saw in this first game. So what do you think of the defense? Oh, well, we kind of talked about the defense already. You know, with Bates' impact, I thought other guys on defense, Lorenzo Carter had a nice sack there late in the game. We're starting to see this defense fly around and be, and be more athletic. And we haven't seen a Falcons defense, especially defensive line, look this athletic in a long time. I, I think you're right, Joe. Encouraging. Dad, a stat that stood out to me about the Falcons. This is the first opening day win for Atlanta since 2017 when they beat the Bears in walk-off fashion, fought, coinciding with the weekend of Georgia-Notre Dame. That's crazy to think about. It is crazy that uh, that you'd go that long before you'd win an opening day game. So, uh, anyways, that's good for the Falcons. It is good, good for the Falcons. fans to, to be so positive. Exactly, because we know if the Falcons start winning, MBS is going to be a fun place to be. Absolutely. It really will be. So, now we are going to wrap up our Atlanta Falcons talk. Okay. We're going to transition to the University of Georgia Bulldogs, who got it done yesterday, winning 45-3. to What were your thoughts on Georgia on on Georgia yesterday, on well, Saturday. You know, these first couple games are really sort of like practice. You know, the, the dogs passed the test. They had some big plays. It's it's hard to read too much into these games where you're not playing against the strongest competition. But, uh, you know, they certainly didn't drop the ball. And, um, you know, they played solid uh, team ball. And I liked it. What did you think? What stood out to me, Dad, was Georgia's ability on defense. They had three interceptions yesterday that stood out to me. The first of those was by Alki Starks, who I saw Aaron Murray tweet out yesterday. In his opinion, Starks is the best ball-hawking safety in the SEC, and I completely agree with him. I, I was really pleased with what we got out of Starks yesterday. Then we had Chaz Chambliss, who had an interception. And this was on a pass that hit a Ball State guy in the ankle and popped up and Chambliss caught it. <laughs> so, I'm, I don't think I've seen an interception like that in a long time. And then Tyke Smith made a nice play on defense. And so Georgia being able to get turnovers created opportunities for points. And we saw this Georgia offense do what they do. Marcus Roseme, Jack Sane had a touchdown. Roderick Robinson had a touchdown. And for for a group that, that has been dealing with the injury bug, We've seen Roger Robinson really kind of carry the torch for this Georgia running back round so far early on this year. Well, and he's going to need to continue to uh, be productive and help the dogs get rolling. But um, it's, it's good to see, Joe. It's good to see that from a, from such a young freshman. I thought Beck played played pretty well, too. And then, you know, Brock Bowers did his normal A-plus work like he always does. I, th- I, I think this Georgia team... And it's gonna it's gonna take them a minute to get really rolling. You know, as you said, both these games have kind of been practice games, so to speak. 
And by mid-season form, I think we're going to see this Georgia team really roll and really see this offense get to be explosive and dynamic because we've talked about it, you know, on previous pods, how dynamic this offense has a chance to be with Mike Bobo at the controls for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, Joe, uh, how about the offensive line? We thought we were going to be dominating more than we were. You know, we'd like to see a little more out of that, but I mean, certainly nothing to complain about. No, no. I, I think we need to see more out of the offensive line, and I think we will. I think I think this week is going to tell us a lot. You know, this is when SEC play starts for real, and, you know, South Carolina visits Athens next Saturday afternoon at 3.30. It's going to be a big time with South Carolina rolling in here. You know, the vibe in Athens is going to be different. It's been kind of sleepy the first couple Saturdays, if I'm being completely honest. And we're going to really get to see what this Georgia team is made of against South Carolina next Saturday. I agree. I agree. And I'm I'm looking for big things. I'm looking for the team to show up large and really get after the game comes. And I, I, think, I think Athens is ready to come alive for a big game. You know, you got CBS 330. Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson in the booth. That's going to be cool. And it's always a big deal when you're the, when you're the, uh, the big time game on Saturday afternoon with Georgia and South Carolina. I agree. I completely agree. I do want to talk about one more thing with the dogs. And um, I want to get your thoughts on Georgia's place kicker. I know he missed a couple... He, I know he missed a couple kick... Or I know he missed a kick yesterday. I know Georgia's been spoiled with such good kickers through the years like Pat Wesney and Brandon Katu. And, you know, I mean, the list can go on and on of great Georgia kickers... Marshall Morgan was solid. I mean, Georgia's had good kickers through the years. I know Woodring missed a kick yesterday. Are you concerned about the kicking game at all, or just I one of those I think he'll things? calm down. He has a strong leg, and it's just a matter of repetitions. And uh, I'm not, you know, panicking. I think we'll be okay there. Just need need more repetitions. No doubt about it. So I think I think all in time for Mr. Peyton Woodring. I think he's going to be. Just fine for the dogs. I what, do. What do you think of uh, Muse? Or, or oh, the code? human cheat code, Makai Muse, Waffle House, as people call him in Athens, because he's always open. <laughs> Dad, I have really been pleased with Makai. I know we've really seen his speed play a factor so far for Georgia, and he's really making making the punt return game more of a factor for Georgia. Here recently, it kind of gives me to what Georgia did, you know, back in the day with like a guy like Brandon Boykin. He would catch punts. I mean, Georgia's had several guys through the years to catch a lot of punts. But yeah, Makai Muse has been special. Isaiah McKenzie was another good one for back in the day. But yeah, Makai Muse has been fun. He's really been fun. And I also noticed this too on offense yesterday. Dylan Bell, the wide receiver out of Texas. Was lining up in the running back spot. Well, that was kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, kind of Debo Samuel type thing, you know. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, who's the Falcons guy? Uh, you know, the wide receiver plays running back. Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson. Uh, that's an interesting phenom that that we haven't really seen a lot in football, but it's showed up the last few years, and uh, uh, it's it's fun to watch, and it's good to see that Georgia's got a. A player that can contribute all over the field. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to SEC play coming here. You know, we're going to get a really good test from South Carolina. A good week of practice for Kirby, getting him ready to go. And uh, SEC football in Athens, you know, this is something that, that Georgia fans everywhere have been starving for. Our first 
real chance at a big time opponent in South Carolina. You got uh, Spencer Rattler and crew rolling in, so it and it it's got a chance to be a really really big time atmosphere in Athens, and I can't wait to be in Sanford Stadium. I think um, it'll be a good test. Um, you know, again, slowly working your way into the water, into the deeper water. Um, I think South Carolina has the potential to to you know push you a little bit. I don't think they'll push us around. No, I don't. I don't expect so either. But but I will say I do like the way Georgia's schedule has started out. We've gotten a chance to get some kinks worked out, kind of you know discover some things like my kind news and things like that. And now we've really seen what this Georgia team can do up to this point. And we're looking for, you know, steady growth and on both sides of the ball. And like I said, I'm, I think as you see playing Athens, it, it doesn't get much better than football in Sanford Stadium. And uh, both these first two games, we've, you know, been uh, getting off to a slow start. What are you looking for next week? I'm looking to see Georgia really get off guns blazing against South Carolina. I don't know whether they want to get, you know, certain people involved offensively, like maybe Brock or Dominic Lovett or somebody like that, or heck, even Makai Muse. But I'd really like to see Georgia really, one part of the offense, really get rolling, like, like really set things up with the run and have that set up with the pass. Because... Again, I know Georgia's thin in the running back room, but we've seen Georgia through the years be able to set up and the run with the pass. I'd really like to see Georgia get into more of a balanced attack, hopefully get things going with the running game early, help that create some play-action opportunities for Carson Beck and his group of pass catchers. I agree, Joe. I agree. Now, uh, what have you? What are your thoughts on the the quarterbacks beyond Carson Beck, what you've seen. I know, granted, it's been limited, but... From what I have seen of Brock Vandegrift, I really like. I'm going back to two weeks ago now against against the Skyhawks of UT Martin. I did like that 56-yard pass that he threw to Rara Thomas. That was a really nice pitch and catch. I did li- I do like that. And I like I've said before, I do like Vandegrift's ability to have that wiggle you know, he can, he can kind of move around a little bit. Where Beck is not as, you know, athletically gifted, so to speak, as a guy like Vandegrift. So, I, I do like that. And then Stockton, you know, Stockton's an interesting dude. He He's big and strong and he, he's got a good arm. And I think Stockton, the sky's the limit for him too. So, I think George is, you know, good in the quarterback spot for a while. Well, that's good to hear because... That's such an important position. You like you like to know you have a little depth there, right? Right. Exactly, Dad. Exactly. So, Dad, that is going to wrap up our Georgia Bulldog football part of the show. We are going to transition to some Atlanta Braves baseball talk. And first thing I want to talk with you about, Dad, the Braves took two of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. What are your thoughts on the Braves taking two of three? Well, Joe, it's it's good to see the momentum continue. Uh, I, I don't be honest with you, don't know a lot about Pittsburgh, but I am, you know, they are a major league team and you got to show up and compete. And uh, so it was good to see uh, the Braves come back. They were kind of behind the eight ball most of today, down two nothing, you know, getting kind of late into the game, but they were able to come back off the deck and uh, scratch out five runs and, you know, and, and get the victory. It, it got rolling thanks in part to Michael Harris. He continues to play 
really good baseball for the Braves, not only in the field, but also with the bat. I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be important that we identify our starting pitch, you know, pitchers and pitching for the playoffs, and uh, hopefully the rest of September will be devoted to that. I, I concur with that. I do want to talk about another thing in particular, and it was on Saturday... On the 9th of September, a Braves number was immortalized forever in the Raptors at Truist Park. It was number 25, Andrew Jones. Thoughts on uh, the Braves doing that for Andrew? Uh, it's about time. He's He was a terrific defensive center fielder and a very potent offensive player at, you know, at bat. And uh, he could seemingly do it all. And uh, probably the biggest knock on him was he made it look so easy, kind of natural, uh, never looked like he was really going that hard. But of course he was because, you know, baseball is not an easy game. And I always really enjoyed watching him out in center field. He played shallow. He cut off a lot of those little dinkers in front of him. And when it was hit over his head, he could certainly go get it. So, uh, you know, there's very few really elite defensive center fielders, but he was one of them, as borne out by the fact I believe he won 10 gold gloves. And, you know, you don't win 10 gold gloves in center field unless you're the real deal. What did, what did you think about Andrew? When I think of Andrew, a couple things come to mind. I think of the Spider-Man catch he made at Turner Field. Way, way back in the day. And that, that catch for my money was one of the best catches I've, I've ever seen. I think of his epic introduction to the World Series, his two home runs in Yankee Stadium in 96, as what, a 19-year-old? Just absolutely impressive stuff to do that. And then, you know, I just think of his steady Eddie approach in center field. He, he like you said, he just glided in the outfield, he made he made playing center field look really easy, and you know all the diving catches and you know like I mentioned the Spider Man catch. And I'll tell you another thing that Andrew doesn't get near as much love about. He had a great throwing arm, like he he could gun some people. You know whether it be the second, third, home. Andrew Jones had a fantastic arm, and you know you mentioned his bat. He Andrew Jones is a big time hitter. You know we think of. The 51 homer season that he had way, way back in 05. And now it appears Matt Olson is on the brink of potentially catching him. What would your thoughts be on if Matt Olson broke Andrew Jones' single season brave record for home runs in a year? Well, I'm one of those people that thinks records are meant to be broken and that they they push a, a athletes forward. But, uh, you know, Andrew certainly uh, had a wonderful career and and that season hit 51 home runs is tremendous uh great defensive player you know good base runner and you know and he made it look easy so i'm i'm a big andrew jones fan i am too i think he's going to be in the hall of fame before too long i think you're right and i think it it's it's a little late you know it should have happened years ago but uh, I'm, I'm convinced he, he's uh, Hall of Fame worthy. I'm also glad that 25 is finally retired because you and I were talking about some of the random Braves who are 25 since since Andrew's been gone. Like Tyler Flowers wore it. Juan Francisco, that third baseman we got from the from the Reds. 
Yeah. Wore it. You know, Joey Tardoslovich yeah. wore it. You know, just a bunch of random people wore 25. And when I think of 25 for the Braves, I think of Andrew. There, there's true. no other 25. That's but uh, I'm, I'm really happy to, for him that it's finally retired. I did see a cool picture last night. It showed Ozzy Albies as a 10-year-old with Andrew Jones. And they, get, they, they had a picture together. And then the picture right next to it was Ozzy Albies in his Brave City Connect jersey with his armor on Andrew Jones last night for Andrew Jones' jersey number retirement. And it's really cool that Andrew Jones had such an impact on baseball fans everywhere here in the States and also in his native homeland of Curacao. That's right. That's right. He he definitely did. And then it turns out his son was a, a very high draft pick in the draft a year or two ago. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, I and believe. We're, I'm sure we'll be seeing him in the big leagues I'm sure we will. Long. I'm sure we will. So where do the Braves go from here this week, Dad? The Braves go to the land of cheesesteaks, Joel Embiid, and the glorified Little League ballpark known as Citizens Bank Park, Philadelphia. That's right. That's right. So they, they, we want to see them keep the momentum going, right? Keep the momentum going. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Braves might have a chance to clinch the division potentially on this road trip. Well, with either Philly and Miami, they'll need to get some help. But yeah, they can they can probably do do it. That would that would be really something. It really would be. So, like I said, the Braves this week they have a four game series in Philadelphia. Doubleheader on Monday, one o'clock first pitch. Game one on Monday. Game two is a six forty first pitch, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Phillies. Then an off day on Thursday, and then they've got the Marlins for three. Before they come back home to take on the Phillies again, I believe. Okay, well, it's time to uh, you know keep it rolling. Um, keep it rolling, Bravos. We don't want to lose the momentum. No, we don't. I do want to ask one quick thing about the pitching. What have been your thoughts of what we've seen out of this bullpen here recently? Well, I think the important thing will be making sure it's well rested. I think the talent is definitely there. They, you know, the schedule is. You know, it's put them in a difficult position sometimes with overuse. But, uh, you know, I think as they come down the stretch and as they start clinching things, you know, Snitker can make more of a a priority out of making sure that the bullpen is well rested. No doubt. No doubt. I agree with that 100%. I think this bullpen has a chance to be really, really good come October. I mean, the talent is there. It's going to be fun to see these guys, what what they do come October. Like Pierce Johnson, Igloo, Mojo Jojo Jimenez, and all that crew. I mean, this price bullpen is really talented. I agree. I agree, Jim. So, Dad, that is going to wrap it up for our Atlanta Braves conversation this week. And so now, guys, I wanted to tell you about FanForAllSeasons.com. It's our website where you go. You can check out our merchandise store, shop merch tab, and they'll have all your merchandise needs met at the Fan for All Seasons merchandise store. Go into the shop merch tab. If you like this podcast, if you want to know more about us, you can find us on any major podcast platform. Give us a like. Give us a follow. That is Fan for All Seasons. And now, guys, it's time to get one last word from our sponsor this week. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more georgiasmoke.com. So for my dad, this has been Jam and Joe, and this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. 
See ya. Go Braves. Go Dogs. Go Falcons.